continuing the series in Moses, we have come to number 13, which is actually the story in Exodus 16, which is rather long, so I'm not going to read it. I'm going to read one of those summary verses that you find later in Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 to 5. We may refer to Exodus 16 as we go through. It's the story of the provision of manna, which is the next step in the progress of these people under Moses' leadership going from slavery gradually towards inheritance and therefore very relevant to the believer who, having met with Christ, has been delivered from terrible slavery and has the hope of glory and inheritance ahead. So these stories are written down, we're told in the Bible, for our instruction. They're not just old-fashioned stories. They instruct us about how to live in the present. And so I'm just going to read the little summary statement in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 to 5. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you didn't know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing didn't wear out on you. Your foot didn't swell these 40 years. Know then in your hearts that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your great purposes in the earth. Thank you for your glorious church across the nations. Thank you the way you uphold people in difficult circumstances and demonstrate your adequacy. Now, Father, we, we pray you'd really feed us this morning with words from your heart that, Lord, strengthen us for the day and teach us how to walk to please you. Holy Spirit, we bless you for your presence with us, the great things we've been able to sing, wonderful truths that have excited our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you now, please come and be our teacher Come and rest upon us. Come and let us hear you in our hearts, not just the word of the preacher, but to hear you, Father, to know that we are with God in his house, hearing his word. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the story so far has had quite a lot of kind of crises, extraordinarily sort of momentous events, like suddenly a bush speaking to a man, uh, Moses' call, uh, then the Passover night, another drama night that you'll never forget, uh, then the crossing of the Red Sea, and then last time I was with you when uh, uh, water is bitter and horrific and you just throw in this wood and hey, it's resolved. So yeah, the story is full of crises, but now we, for the first time we get the word daily coming along. And part of the Christian walk, yes, we do have experiences that we can suddenly lurch forward in a new way. I thank God for moments that have been radical in their outworking. And God does work that way. You think of Isaiah. It says in Isaiah 6 that the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he was, he was ruined, he says. I was lamed. That's what it literally meant. It's like I couldn't walk. I was overwhelmed. 
And from that time on, he's a, he's a radically changed man. He can't stop talking about the Holy One of Israel. He's just had this encounter with God. We know about uh, the Apostle Paul. He's uh, breathing out slaughter and trying to destroy the church. And suddenly, suddenly he sees the Lord. Suddenly he's blinded by the sight of God coming to him in his face, uh, in the face of Jesus Christ, Dra- dramatically transformed. There are lots of breakthrough moments in the Bible. And many of us will know times when our Christian walk, maybe it's gone through a season of maybe just kind of mundane, and there are moments, days, maybe you got filled with the Holy Spirit, and suddenly, whoa, what's happening? When I was in Bulgaria uh, last weekend, I heard about a revival, which I'd never read about, which happened in 1993, when hundreds were saved. Hundreds. They said it was so easy witnessing people getting saved, absolutely flooded with the Spirit, people who hardly knew what was happening to them, getting filled with the Spirit, speaking with tongues. God came in great power in Bulgaria, just on the back of the breakdown of communism. Extraordinary time, which somehow got kind of concealed. The news didn't get out, not didn't to me anyway. But God comes to us sometimes in our individual walks with breakthrough moments, when suddenly you're going on a certain plane, suddenly, woof, you're in a new place with God. But much walking with God, Jesus said this, the kingdom of God's like a seed that goes into the ground, little seed, smaller seed, and gradually, gradually, gradually grows. Or he said the kingdom of God is like leaven, which is hidden, and the word is chosen, hidden, in the bread, and then gradually Gross. And the kingdom of God, yeah, there's that gradual daily development. And so it is for us as believers. There are things that happen dramatically, turning points. Praise God for turning points. And there are those daily, progressive, ongoing, proving the faithfulness of God. And if there's one thing that speaks of that in this Old Testament story, it's the giving of manna. There's this daily provision. God is going to provide for them on a daily basis. Actually, a daily amazing miracle. Day by day, God will come and meet their need. God will supply grace to them. And this is a, uh, this morning we're talking about walking daily with God. We're going to talk about Jesus, our manner for our walk through the wilderness. Okay, that's the way we're going. That's what we're talking about. So, If we did read the whole story of uh, Exodus 16, which I didn't read, but if I had read it, you'd find that it starts again, sadly, with a complaining people. They're complaining that, hey, we're hungry. Uh, And they're complaining to Moses. It's easier to complain to the leader than it is to God himself. Uh, Hey, God, what do you know? Moses would tell him. Uh, So they're saying to Moses, what are you doing? You've led us out here, and we're hungry. They're grumbled, it says, against Moses and Aaron. So this is a slave community, two million of them, 600,000 adult men, adult men, women, children. And and they've just lived in slavery. They haven't developed much character yet. They've just beaten up people. And the Lord wants to cultivate character in them. So it says in the passage I read to you, like a son, I want to train you like a son. And so here's the people who really... They're like little children. They don't accumulate education. They don't pick it up straight away. And uh, so lovely to hear that testimony earlier. Uh, I just love the way it was said. It's a teaching opportunity. Just lovely to hear that. It's not just, oh, good. No, it's a teaching opportunity. And yeah, good parents are like that. They use 
opportunities to teach, to put principles into their children. And God is like that. He wants to train, and this giving of the manna is going to be a training program. These people are not ready for it. They only look at the seen, not the unseen. Uh, unlike the Apostle Paul in the New Testament says this, we as Christians, we don't look at the seen, we look at the unseen. That's something that's cultivated in the growing Christian. He learns to look, not to be over-impressed by the immediate, what seems to be in your face. The mature Christian stands back and he's looking for the unseen. We're not over-impressed with the immediate. We, we look beyond it. We look to the rock that's higher. We look to what's God doing in this? Where is God in this? What's God up to? That's the way Jesus walked. He, he wasn't impressed by the immediate. He was watching his father all the time. But these are, they're just slaves. They've been slaves for years. And so there's a training program going to come into their lives that will bring them to maturity. And many of us, when we're first converted, we're not used to walking by faith. It's what you see, it's what you're seeing is believing. Now we, we find out, no, no, believing you start to see. So that has to be learned. You have to gain ground in that. And the whole manner experience was, was like that. It was right, I am going to provide for you. It's not like, hey, okay, so I brought two million people out of slavery. Oh, I never thought they've got to eat as well. Imagine God saying, oh gosh, I never thought of that. No, he, he had thought of that, okay? He knew they couldn't plant anything in the wilderness. He knew they couldn't manufacture anything. He's brought them out into a wilderness. He is not shocked that they need to eat. All right? They somehow thought, hey, God, you haven't thought about this. Yes, he is ahead of the game for you and for me. He's ahead of the game. He knows what's happening. He knows what's around every corner. He's provided. He, in fact, <laughs> it says in Deuteronomy 1, it says the journey from Horeb to the new land, to Kadesh Barnea, took 11 days. It was an 11-day journey. Then the next verse is this, it took them 40 years, and he didn't run out of manna. It's not like, oh, I've only got 11 days. I've only got supply for 11 days. I've only got 11 days of manna. No, God, they take four. God prepares even for their backsliding, their rebellion, their unbelief. He's still got enough for them. Still got enough for them. And through 40 years, it's not a very impressive story. You read the journey through the wilderness, the journey through Exodus, Numbers, that it's, you know as well as I do, it's not impressive. These are not impressive people. But the staggering thing is this, manna is there every day. He called them, he took responsibility for them. It's rather like Simon Peter. Simon Peter said, Lord, if it's you, call me to walk on the water to you. And Jesus said, come. And then Peter loses faith. He's still Jesus' responsibility. He still catches him. And beloved, when you start walking with God, he becomes yours. He, you become his responsibility. Even, even when they slide, even when they don't believe, even when they slip and fall, he's there. And here are these guys, they're going to get fed every day for 40 years. He will provide for them. He will supply their every need. He is a God of extraordinary provision. In fact, his way of looking at it, and I was able to read to you, not just from Exodus 16, because the Bible keeps on reflecting back on these days, other passages in the Bible. 
So Exodus tells you what happened. Other passages reflect on it. Here's one from Hosea. This is God speaking prophetically through his prophet. When Israel was a youth, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. I taught Ephraim to walk. Don't you love that? I love teaching my kids to walk. <laughs> it's this lovely parental thing. I, we saw yesterday, Wendy and I were just walking in the park, we saw a lady teaching her little boy to cycle. You know, no, keep going, keep going. And you, know, you just feel that lovely thing. Yeah, I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you. Keep pedaling. Come on. And, and God says this in this beautiful poetic way, actually, uh, in the Hebrew. I taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms. They didn't know I healed them. I led them with the cords of a man, with the bonds of love. I became one who lifts the burden from them. I bent down and I fed them. This is the big vision. This is God's perspective. He's like a father. Out of Egypt I called my son. What we see is two million scruffy, rebellious people. God says, I see my son. I'm teaching them. I'm going to keep picking them up. I'm going to teach them the journey. And so we set this beautiful thing. God was watching over them. But having watched over them, having supplied, he says, I also was training them. So again, if we'd read the detail, we find it says, there'll be manna there every day. You must collect for the day. Don't keep any because it will rot. And then next day, pick it up again. It's going to be a daily. It'll be there the next day. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. It will be there tomorrow. You don't have to be anxious about tomorrow. It will be there tomorrow. Don't think, no, I need to hoard this. This is scary. No, it'll be there again tomorrow. And then you read how some of them said, oh, no, I think I'll keep some. And yeah, it rotted, like he said. And then he said this, on, on the Sabbath, that was the seventh day, uh, there won't be any. So on the sixth day, you need to collect twice as much, and it won't rot. And some thought, oh, I don't know about that. I'll go out on the seventh day. There was nothing there, like he said. And so, yeah, there are certain, there's love, there's parental, <coughs> sorry, parental care, but you just have to learn. I'm going to give you some principles to learn by, some rules to live by. I want to discipline you. I'm going to train you. As you go forward, I'm training you as you go forward. So he will provide, but he trains and tests, and he says, and I humbled you. I was, put, I was, I was building character into you. I, I'm trying to teach you how to walk with me. That's what's there for them. We even read of Jesus. Though he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. The incarnation is a mystery. He became human. And in, the, in his human form, it says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So he wants to change these former slaves into a believing community, a people of faith, a people who will trust him. Now, in the, in the end, God can produce someone like an Elijah. When he says to Elijah, uh, you know, go to the brook Cherith. There I'll, you'll find water and every day raven. And so it says, I'll go. he goes. He says, I will feed you there. It's like, this is my promise to you. I will feed you there. And it's like, I'll be there. Will you be there? I will command the ravens. You, mean, you can command ravens? I can command anything. He, I'll command the ravens. And the ravens will supply. God can provide through phenomenal things. He just speaks, just speaks, speaks. And things happen we never knew. And we find that, yeah, the raven is there. The food is there. Again, on a daily basis, the raven came every day. They c you can grow in that 
kind, that kind of faith. That's what God can produce. He can produce confidence. If you read the story of George Mueller, he believed God to be able to feed thousands of children on a daily basis with no promised income. That's the kind of faith God can produce in, in our ranks. That sort of expectation. No, God, God is, will care for me. And God wants us, dear friends, to cultivate that kind of confidence in him. He will look after us. He will provide for us. He doesn't want us to be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will look after itself. <laughs> See, grace for tomorrow hasn't come yet. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, grace will come for tomorrow. And that's the that's daily thing is what we're reading about and learning about in this story. It's a daily experience. And then you find he says to uh, Elijah, it says, the day, the day the brook dried up. Don't you think perhaps the day before it may have looked pretty dry? <laughs> or the day before that even. This is the day the brook dried up. God said, now go to Zarephath. Oh, thank you, Lord. The day it dried up. Thank you, that's really helpful. Uh, and, and you'll find a widow who'll care for you. I expect he thought, oh, widow, food, real good food. Uh, companionship, not just a raven squawking and dropping bits. You know, this is fun. I, I have commanded a widow. And it says, he goes to Zarephath and he sees the woman and says, have you got anything to eat? She says, no. He said, she does not look like a commanded widow. She doesn't know what's going on. He says, feed me. She, she, she says, I'm collecting a little and uh, uh, I, just for me and my son, and then we're going to die. Because, I mean, this drought has been going on. We're going to die. I thought you'd been commanded to feed me. But look at the faith that I, of Elijah by this time. I think he's thinking, she said me and my son. Didn't say my husband. Must be a widow. God said, I've commanded a widow. And he said to her, hey, hey that is so welcome, Hugh. Sorry, I don't know why, but I'm grateful for that. Thank you. I have dry throat. Thank you so much. He, he, instead of losing courage, he says, right, you just give me some, then you take some for yourself, and then he moves into the prophetic. And he says, and the flour won't, wear, won't run out, and the oil won't run out till the drought's over. Like, he stays in faith and moves into prophetic. So, beloved, God wants us to move from anxiety and what will happen to, no, I'm confident, and even when, hey, she's supposed to be commanded. She doesn't look a bit commanded. Don't know what I'm talking about. No, no, she's a widow, God said. And so give to me first. What a call. And God will provide for you. What a statement. Every day, and it happened. God wants to encourage us into his world of confidence, to grow in faith. In all our situations of life, to grow in faith so that we move to be like Abraham who believed God, believed that things that not yet seen will be seen. That's our calling. We're believers. And he invites us into another world which you enter through confidence in what he said. That as we read in the passage, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That we, we live on this stuff. We live on what he says we believe it. That's why people treasure things and come and read them out to us. I was reading this this morning. I'm feeding on it. And God speaks to us. And we, we sense sometimes, we can read sometimes, and perhaps we don't feel that intimacy. But other times, it suddenly bursts into life. God, you're speaking to me. Well, this is a massive privilege. And it's even greater privilege if we say, I'm going to live by that. 
I'm not just going to note, mm, that's a good verse, ties in with that one, doesn't it? No, we say, no, I'm going to chew on that. I'm going to live on that. I'm going to be fed by that as I walk through this wilderness. Because we're walking through a wilderness. We're walking through a place of difficulty, setbacks. It says in, Ezekiel, in Exodus 16, verse 13, In the morning dew lay round the camp. And when the dew had gone, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing. Fine as frost on the ground. What is it? It's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. You may well know that what is it in Hebrew is a word that sounds like manna. And that's where it got its name. They said, what is it? And, and it goes, have you had your morning, what is it? That's what gave it its name. It was, what is it? And uh, I want to take us now into the New Testament, really, because Jesus, so many Old Testament stories and experiences point actually to ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. The whole Bible is about God's provision in Jesus. And so the manna is speaking to us about something we need to learn. And we need to see this, that Jesus follows through on this teaching about manna. I'm going to read to you from John 6, verse 31. John 6, verse 31, where it says this. People are kind of arguing with Jesus. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And then verse 48, where it says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to him, truly, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I'll raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So Jesus states what 
is in fact his first I am statement in John's Gospel. John seven times takes statements of Jesus which begin with I am, ego, I me, I am. Jesus preached himself. Paul says we do not preach ourselves. Jesus did preach himself all the time. He said, I have come that you might have life. And here is the very first of the I am statements. There are many others, you know them. I am the good shepherd. I am the door to the sheep. I am the resurrection. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the true vine. But here's the first one. I am the bread of life. I am I'm here for your nourishment. I'm here for your strength and safety. I am here for you. And Jesus is inviting us to himself. Now let's just look at this for a little while before we wind up here this morning because it's important for us to comprehend what this is truly about. Jesus is for us on a daily basis what we need as we walk through this world. Right? So the Bible loves the language of journey. We're on a journey. Uh, Pilgrim's progress. We're on a journey. Uh, we're walking. That's another Hebrew word that sometimes our modern translations translate the word live. If you knew the Greek, it says walk. Paul talks about walking. We're one step at a time. When he called Abraham, he said to Abraham, walk before me. God, come right down to earth. Jesus got in sandals. He started walking the earth. And he invites us to walk with him and to go on this journey with him. And we're on a journey, and it's through a wilderness. There's only one place of nourishment. For these Israelites, this is the only nourishment you get. You don't find some date somewhere. You eat manna. You don't find, oh, let's dig something here and plant. No, we're not staying. We're moving on. And you'll have to eat the manna because the manna is the provision. And we're walking through a wilderness and we need nourishment. We need something to carry us through. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I will nourish you. I will give you life. I am the bread that has come down from heaven, that if a man eats it, he'll never die, and he'll learn how to live. Jesus is giving us his life. He is pouring out his life into us. So yes, life is a wilderness, sometimes more evidently than others. Sometimes when life is easy, you forget it's a wilderness. Sometimes when it's easy, you can feed on all kinds of stuff. But when you're in the Ukraine and you're living in a car with your children and baby, you have to know Jesus is the bread of life. You have to know how to feed on him. When you hear uh, Andy talking about what they've gone through, or hear John talking about the challenges they face, you have to learn how to feed or you will be in trouble. You will be disappointed. You will be overwhelmed by circumstances. Things will make you scared, anxious. Let's give up. Let's go home. I don't want to do this. But So you've got to know how to feed on Jesus. You've got to know how to get this nourishment that's enough for us because life is tough. And it's got all sorts of things hidden around corners you never knew, knew coming. You didn't know that was going to happen. You didn't, wow, what is this? I never anticipated this. If we haven't learned to feed, if we haven't learned to receive... Andre said something quite remarkable in the seminar he took at the Catalyst. He said, if you haven't built suffering into the foundation of the building, you won't stand the test. It was interesting to me because I was asked to do a teaching. I did one on 1 Thessalonians 1. And Paul, writing to this young church, the first epistle that's ever written in our New Testaments, and he talks about the suffering you received at the beginning. 
Right from the beginning, he taught, you will suffer. Jesus said, you will suffer. Paul says, you will suffer. If suffering isn't in our understanding, as Andre said, when suffering hits some. See, the prosperity gospel has been hugely popular in Russia. Hugely popular. It's been massive. The, the prosperity, you, ha- you name it, you can have it, message. Very, very big in Russia. He said, if you haven't built suffering into your foundation, if you don't understand, we are in alien territory. We're in hostile ground. If we haven't understood that, and suffering comes, I thought, oh, I thought, it was, oh, they leave. He said, they just leave. They can't cope because suffering wasn't built in foundationally. But if suffering's been built in foundationally, ah, we said, we said there would be difficulties. And those are standing and pressing through. I thought it was such an insight that he shared with us. I thought, wow, how important as a Bible teacher to make sure we don't brush past such things. But we say none of these things are part of the Christian world. We're walking through a wilderness. We're going through difficulty. We're going through alien territory. It needs strength. It needs nourishment. Because otherwise we get insecure. We feel, what's my point? I don't know what I'm here for. All sorts of things come against us. We need nourishment. And Jesus is saying, I am. I am the bread of life. I can provide for you. Now, it's difficult when a man standing next to you says, eat my flesh. It's like another time he says, I am the true vine. Imagine the disciples think he thinks he's a tree now. (laughs) But he uses this, I'm a tree. (laughs) I'm the true vine. Now, you make your dwelling in me. We use this word, we kind of religiously abide in me. You know, we even sing it at the cup final. No one knows what they're talking about. And, and, and it really means make your dwelling in me and I make my dwelling in you. If I come and live there, it's, it's, almost diff- it's, it's, it's not just, you know, sometimes people try and translate, it's hard. In the Bible, you've got to commit yourself to some word, remain, it says. Some translation, if you remain in me. Horrible word, really. If you make your dwelling, it almost needs a phrase. If this is where you live, and if you're where I live, so when you say I'm a tree, it's like, huh? So Jesus, while he's walking the planet, says things like this. If you don't eat my flesh, it says many people turn back that day. Then he says this. My words are spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. In other words, you need to understand this is a spiritual statement. I'm not wanting you to take a bite. You know, don't all become Suarez. And uh, <laughs> it's like, no, no. You, uh, this, is a, this is talking about like the manner. Is take it on board. If anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. So the Bible uses language like eat, drink. What does it mean? It means come and receive. In fact, Jesus does tell us what it means. He said, if anyone comes to me, he won't hunger. If anyone believes in me, he won't thirst. So what does it mean? It means coming to him, believing in him. That's what it means by eating his flesh. And we need to do that, beloved, often. We need to do that. In fact, here it's talking about like daily. Daily for manna. Now, it's possible to think, this is the way, you know, if I do my Bible reading and I would say my prayers, then I've done my thing, as though we're earning some merit. Or like the Roman Catholic thing, like, you know, say 17 Our Fathers or something. 
like I'm gaining merit, I'm doing this religious. It's nothing to do with that at all. We don't gain any merit, it's just we get some nourishment. I don't read my Bible and say, impressed Lord, two chapters this morning, must get points for that, mustn't I? Or, you know, I prayed half an hour this morning, Lord, hey, I'm doing well, good, isn't that? It's nothing to do with that. Jesus is my righteousness, he has impressed God on my behalf, I don't need to impress him. I really don't need to impress him. We've sung these great hymns this morning. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, who ever lives and pleads for me. Hallelujah. I don't need, he's my righteousness on Christ alone. Okay, so I'm not adding to my righteousness by praying. I'm getting some food for the wilderness. I'm getting nourished for the journey. If we don't know how to get nourished for the journey, you hit a shock like we've had as a church. You think, whoa! Or like you might have in your job situation. Or something happens to your elderly parents or your neighbors or things you never expected to come up. Because it's a wilderness. And if we don't learn to be nourished, we're in trouble. We need to feed on what God has provided. He gives us food. He gives us himself. Now, of course, Jesus in that three-year period of ministry, yeah, he was. They said, we touched and handled. He's a man who puts his arm around your shoulders. But he says, I'm going away, and I'll send you another one like me. So when he says, come to me and drink, it says this. This he spoke of the Spirit that they were going to receive. Come to me and drink. Well, Jesus is at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sends forth the Holy Spirit. He comes to nourish us. He, comes, he says, look, come and feed on me. And it's a good idea to do it every day. It's a great idea to get nourished. It's a great idea to listen to me again. It's a great idea. Yeah, you'll find I often speak in my Bible. I speak in all sorts of ways. God does speak, doesn't he? In all sorts of ways. We've had trouble with our television lately, so we can't make it work. So we've got out some old West Wing stuff. Well, a friend of mine in Brighton gave me the whole box. Can you imagine? So we're West Wing, everything, West Wing. And uh, it's fascinating. I, I, I felt God spoke to me. Spoke to me. Interesting thing. He says, one, if you know West Wing, I won't bother. Oh, sorry. Uh, West Wing says, uh, he says, would you like me to call me you Jed? That's his name. Or would you like me to call you Mr. President? And he replies, I want you to call me Mr. President, especially here in the Oval Office. It reminds me of who I am and what I'm meant to represent. If you just call me Jed, I thought, wow, Lord, I'm your servant. We want an intimate church, but, you know, I'm a husband. I'm a father. The dignity God gives to some of these things. And, and we, can, we can miss the point. So God speaks to us in all kinds of ways. He speaks to you from a television show. It's just like really came to me when I was praying. But if God speaks to us from the Bible especially. And we can be fed. We can be nourished. We can be spoken to. We can find help for our soul. We find suddenly, oh Lord, you're speaking to me now. You're reminding me of this great truth now. I feel strengthened by this now. Yeah, we need to keep taking the manner. We need to keep believing him. He that comes to me, he that believes in me, right? So we don't just do it. We don't say, oh, I did my reading. No, come to him. Believe him. It's not good reading and not believing. It's not, oh, yeah, so is that. No, no, no. Get into it. Get it into you. 
chew it down. So that's a bit hard to chew. Some verses are hard to chew. Even the Apostle Peter says some of Paul's writings are hard to chew. I can't even understand them, he says. Well, you may not. We may not. But let's keep chewing. Let's chew. It even talks about you need to move on from milk to hard, stronger meat. There is a nourishing that comes. God speaks to us. And we need to do it frequently. If we don't, we dry up. We, dry, we just dry up. I remember once I was, I was mowing the lawn, and uh, it was one of those dry summers in England. We have them occasionally. And I was pushing the lawn, and it's just dust flying up, and there's, there's hardly any grass there anyway, and it's just a mess. And I'm pushing the mower, and it's, I think, this is crazy. Why am I bothering to do this? And, and then I looked over my shoulder, and I just turned and looked up, and over the doorway, we had a kind of... Um, the door was projected a little and had a little roof over it. And, and between the tiles, there's a weed. Goodness knows how it got there. Got there. And it's massive. I mean, it's massive. It's got all flowering weed. And, and, I, and I think, I'm moving. there's nothing here on the ground. I look, at, look at that weed up there. It is massive. How come it's massive? And I look above it, and there's a little overflow from our bathroom. And in this tile... He's got no earth in this tile. It's dripping on it all the time. And there's this weed going, I'm up here. <laughs> Jesus said, abide in me. You can be a big weed, right? <laughs> you don't have to be dusty ground. You need, we, need that we need nourishment. It's like I have an electric razor. I find my electric razor, when I've, when I've pumped up the battery, it goes, Bzzz! You know, and if I leave it for a long time, it goes, zzz, 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 zzz. and if I leave it too long, zzz, and I risk maybe I could do it today, maybe, zzz, 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 zzz. Oh. and then it bites you. <laughs> See, that's what you can be like. You know, you can either be a, bzz, or you can be a, or you can bite people. <laughs> you know, talk to people. You think, what's wrong with them? What What did she answer me like that for? I guess she's not really very nourished at the moment. Not being very filled up at the moment. Groaning on a bit. Biting. We need nourishment, beloved. We need here daily. Jesus taught us what's called the Lord prayer, Lord's Prayer. Give us today. today. Give us what we need, Lord. We need, we need you today. We need to come to him. I do want to encourage us as a people. God wants us to come to him to learn that good discipline, not legalism. That's saying, Are you impressed? God's not impressed. It's for me. It's for us to be healthy. We don't do it to get rid of guilt. You know, I'm not a very good Christian. I ought to do it. It's not, ought, nothing to do with ought. It's to cope with the wilderness. It's to cope with the setbacks, the heartbreaks, the things that you think, wow, I never knew that was coming. We get nourished by being in his presence. He says, listen, I'm bread for you. <laughs> Jesus. Not religion. Religion won't do anything for you. It's Jesus. Jesus says, I am bread for life. I am bread. I come to be with you. I come to be taken on board. Back in Jeremiah, God says, I've got this thicket. It's my people. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. They're trying to dig out other stuff that can't satisfy. See, sometimes we think, oh, I'll get satisfied with this. No, you won't. He's the only one. He's the only one can actually nourish you. He's the true bread that came down out of heaven. 
If we will eat him, feed upon him, enjoy him, we'll find this. Our outer man is wasting away, but our inner man is being renewed every day. Every day. You can walk with Jesus. Your outer man, yeah, you can't run up the stairs like you used to. You can't do things you used to, but your inner man is being renewed every day. God wants, God's built in to the, you need to built in day and night. He's built in day and night. He's built in that daily phenomenon. I want to encourage you, draw near to him. Sing to him. I love to shut the door, be with my father, and sing to him. Sing some of the songs we sang this morning. Sing out truth you know is true. Christ alone, cornerstone. It's not just for meetings. That's your temple of the living God. That's for you and Jesus. Come to him, sing to him. Make a joyful noise to him. Meditate on truth. Feed on him in your heart. Be nourished by him. And we'll take the journey. We'll handle the wilderness. Otherwise, you're going to dry up a bit. God doesn't want us to dry up. God wants to provide. He's made an amazing provision. In Jesus, if we had time, we obviously don't have time. He's dealt with our guilt. He's removed it utterly. He gives his life. He, he beckons us into eternal glory. This isn't short-term life. This is life forever. And it's all free. It's all free. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You know that wilderness. You know how dry it can get. You know how disappointing it is. You know the setbacks we face. But Lord God, we thank you. You take responsibility for us. We thank you. You provide food for our souls. And Jesus, we thank you. You don't offer us religion. You offer us yourself. You say, come to me. Come to me. Lord, we do that right now. Lord, some of us maybe feel a bit dry even now. We just come to you. Thank you that you're there. Thank you that you're always there. Thank you that you fed them for 40 years of backsliding. 40 years you kept providing every day. Lord Jesus, we are amazed at your kindness. And we, we want to learn to feed on you to be nourished by you. We want to gradually come to the place where we get more like Elijah who trusted you when he couldn't even see the promise. He didn't let go. And Father, I just pray we pray for one another. Lord, we pray we don't know one another's situations. We pray, Father, pray for grace on every home, every individual, the demands of the workplace, Demands of travel, demands of sickness. Lord, we think of those words of Paul. The Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. We thank you, we thank you, Lord. He was able to hear you. He was able to get that day's manner. Lord, we pray, make us a people who find you sufficient, who give us nourishment, who give us a fat soul, because we're well fed on your lovely truth. Lord, bless us today. Bless us as we go from this place. Bless us as we press on with you. We look to you for your favor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Terry. We're going to.
close the meeting there very shortly, but I always want to make it as easy as possible for us to respond to what God has been saying this morning. Think back into the worship and how God was speaking about his plans and his purposes for us. How God was speaking about how he invites us to trust him. I think we've heard something of that also through what Terry is saying. So if whatever God has been saying through the worship or through Terry's word is, is really helpful to you, there's going to be a prayer team coming out just to my left just now. Rachel will lead that team for us. Um, we're going to have some music playing in a second, which kind of helps this maintain a kind of safe and easy space. So if you want to respond by praying with the prayer team, you can come forward in a second. You might want to stay where you are and chat or pray with the person next to you. We might want to have a coffee and kind of move on from this moment. Um, our kids are in their kids' work until 12.15. So you parents, this is a good 15 minutes for you to, to respond, to pray, to reflect, and so on. Um, if they're in crash, can you make sure you get them? Whereas if they're in King's Kids and Ignite, they'll be brought down to you in the cafe. Okay, so pray team, if you come out to my left just now, I'll just pray one final time, and then, um, and then we'll, we'll close the meeting. God, we thank you so much for all that you're doing in our church. We thank you for your wonderful, wonderful attention to us as a church and as individuals. We thank you for your attention to those who are visiting for the first time or who are exploring who you are and what it might mean to love and follow you. We thank you that you are passionately committed to your church and to building your church and to drawing more and more into relationship with you and friendship with you. God, I pray that you would be with us this week as individuals, as life groups, as a church, and that you would use us powerfully to make your name more and more famous in our town. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, a bit of music would be great, please, and uh, do as you best see fit. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.